Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle man-to-man. -man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We'll accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessings of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. This is Wright Vernon with Lost in the Midlands, and I am here today with a fellow entrepreneur, a real leader in the business arena, the political arena, the B&I arena, philanthropy, uh, a man who has done a lot, I certainly look up to, Bill Danielson with DataPay. Bill, it's good Thank to be here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And not sure I deserve all of that, but I'll, I'll take it. Always humble. That speech gives me goosebumps listening to. I still have them. And I know that you've recently, you've been on a journey across uh, Europe that I'm excited to talk to you about, um, following the footsteps of those soldiers. But before we get into that, 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 that really special trip you went on, I'm going to start, uh, give the audience a few other pieces, you know, so they know who Bill Danielson is. I would like to start with your business, kind of tell everybody what you're doing. Sure. Uh, I am the owner um, managing partner of DataPay Payroll, South Carolina, based right in uh, here in Columbia, actually Irmo. Um, and uh, we've been doing this about 10 years. The company is DataPay, operates in four or five states, and is about 40 years old. I have the South Carolina operation, and we're third-party payroll administrator. So um, those are the kinds of things that, uh, that, that I do on a daily basis. Um, which takes up a lot of time. Yeah. And uh, somehow I managed to get involved in other things, um, which helps helps me know where I am and where I'm going on a daily basis, philosophically. I love the way you put that you managed to get yourself into other things because you have your hands in a lot of different really cool stuff. Um, for instance... I know you also have some uh, political aspirations. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I'm, um, I don't know, I would call them aspirations. Uh, I, would, I was urged a few years ago to um, run for town council in Irma um, by a, quite a few people who uh, thought I would be good at it and mostly understood that 
by nature, I'm not a politician, and I'm pretty direct when it comes to stuff like that. You chuckle, uh, but that is that is where I come from uh, and how I'm structured. Right? That's how I'm wired. So uh, I did. I ran. I was successful. Uh, ran for re-election a couple years ago, yeah. uh, serving in the middle of a four-year term right now. And at the urging of those same folks, um, have decided that I would run for mayor in this upcoming November election for the town of Irma. Bill, what's interesting is it's like wherever you go, you dump your passion into it. I remember when you were running for office, when I was in your networking group, you guys were going door to door. You recruited us to get on the phones and call the people of Irma. I mean, we were really getting after it. And I, just one more, I mean, just a, an example of how when Bill gets involved, like the machine's going to start moving. You know, I don't really know that uh, the machine, the machine is one, right? <laughs> People ask me all the time to go, who, who's your team? And, it, and it's funny because my phone just rang a few minutes ago and it was my campaign manager, right? Um, so I'm smart enough to have good people around me, but my team is whoever I can get at that given time. And, and I joke, but there are, there are people who want to help and will help. Um, but... I, you know, I've I've never been one to half-ass anything, frankly. And if you're going to do it, do it. If, you, if you're not committed to it 100%, don't do it. Um, so, you know, that's that's part of again who I am. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate you. Um, and I remember that particular night very well. Um, you know, it was we almost it, we all enjoyed it. It turned out to be fun because of what everybody was doing, but we were working. And yeah, I will be uh, pounding the pave, pavement here for the next uh, starting in September uh, for at least a good 60, 90, 60, 80 days, whatever the number is, uh, knocking doors and saying hello. Heck yeah! I want to also touch on one other leadership position you've had um, that I've been in. in uh, you know, underneath you and watched in B&I. And it, it seems like, you know, Bill Danielson and B&I, is, is, is Bill Danielson in any leadership position is the same leader. Like you take your, your, your qualities and you put them into any given fold. Is, is that something you, I mean, is it purposely, I mean, do you have like a, um, almost like a template, you know, this is how I'm going to operate. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, uh, we were joking earlier, um, my dear wife, I've been married to her for almost 39 years. Uh, this month it'll be 39 years, and she's nicknamed by all my friends Saint Peg, and she is truly a saint. Uh, she she asked me the same thing and has for years. Why why you? Why you? Why you? Um, so the answer is because again, that's just how I am. Um, you know, you see people lead who can't lead. Um, you have that innate feeling. Um, and so you decide what has to happen at that point in time to take whatever organization you're involved with to the next level. And um, kind of happened to me with BNI. Uh, frankly, was not a fan of BNI. Didn't ever want to get into BNI. <laughs> took me two years in this business to get into BNI. Yeah. Uh, again, people urging me, you need to get in B&I. And um, I got in, and um, like most things, I'm in 
100 percent. And it's a it's turned out to be a very good core business for me uh, for my portfolio at Datapay, and and it's far reaching. It's beyond way beyond just business. I mean, look at our relationship. Um, starts at B and I, but it's way beyond B and I. Right? It, it just is. The uh, the years that I was in EPN. When I started out, you know, it seems like it, everybody wanted to emulate Bill Daniels. And you have a way to just kind of like light the room on fire. And the way you just described, you know, I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to do it, but grudgingly you go in and you light the room on fire. So, you know, thanks for doing that for, for so many people, man. It's awesome. Coffee helps that. Well, yeah, that <laughs> getting fired up on some coffee is nothing more fun. Well, let's talk about this recent trip you went on. And... I know that you mentioned to me this was a bucket list item that that is you know been something monumental and um, give us a brief description of what happened and wow um, yeah this is this has been a passion of mine for quite a long time and uh, I get emotional when I talk about it and and why it's come in the last basically five to ten years, uh, is my interest has gotten higher and higher. And, and uh, having lost my dad 20, 22 years ago, um, the, the, I really wanted to try to get to know who he was at the core, mm. um, but to know that I had to understand what he went through. Yeah. And fortunately, I never fought in a war, never served in the military, um, but... I, I feel like I can talk to the folks, given what I've gleaned out of this thing. And uh, my daughter and I went on this journey a couple of years ago, just researching and trying to find out everything we could about my dad in World War II. Uh, and as it turns out, we found a, a lot of stuff. And for instance, that speech you read uh, to the guys in Gat, well, guys in those days, um, Prior to D-Day, they they all heard that speech. It was played as they were just prior to boarding the landing craft. Right, this was what they heard. And my dad, who was supposed to land on D-Day, he heard that speech from a bed in a hospital in England with the mumps. So and we have that hospital report. Well, right. And we always thought he was pulling my leg when he said I had the mumps and I missed D-Day. And, you know, so that was a double, a double win for the Danielson crew, right? I don't know if anybody's familiar with the mumps. But I mean, but in this day and age, it's not around. But in those days, you got the mumps as a grown man, you may never have children, right? It was one of the side effects. Not only that, he missed D-Day. So uh, that was the beginning of the journey and uh, dug very deep and then went and traveled all the way through his footsteps well um, that we could track he fought with the 319th regiment he was a infantryman he was a marksman known as a rifleman in those days which we went through like there was no tomorrow those guys were dying on the field every day in the thousands um, but he served in the 319th regiment E company and with the 80th Infantry under Patton's Third Army. So um, the man loved George Patton. 
that gives me a connection right there because in history you read about George Patton. My dad was quite like that. And, I, you know, I have no military skill, but I can only imagine I got a little of that in me because I really don't take a lot of crap from people. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and that's the that's and from there it just became It's it's that journey. It's that life journey that I should have gone on 20 years ago. Can you tell me a couple of the stop, like where, where you guys actually went to? Was, was there any particular battlefield, or um, did you go to a specific beach where the you know where where he, his footsteps were? Sure. You know, we we did the typical uh, Normandy, uh, Omaha Beach, all of those beaches. We. The Utah Beach, which is where most of the Americans between Utah and Omaha came came ashore. Um, we tracked my dad to um, coming in at Utah, but well after D-Day. Um, and we tracked him the first time we see him, and this was with the help of a professional researcher uh, out of St. Louis, Missouri, which is where the archives are for the military. Um, with his help, we tracked him on September 29th, 1944. He shows up in a town called Lunaville, France, um, which is the southern central part of France. Uh, with, if you know anything about the ball, about World War II, you'll know that Patton's army came in well after. They used him as a decoy. Uh, he came in well after and went south and then east, um, and. That's where he joined up. So we never could find out what division, what uh, actual regiment he was assigned to in England, because he came across, came in in the 38th replacement division. Once and then they assign you, and then after that, if you leave subsequently, um, they brought you back to that regiment. Yeah. They knew enough for morale purposes at that point. They needed, the, the boys need to see you come back. Yeah. Right. So. We started in Lunaville, France, and basically went through every village that he fought in um, for over a 60, 70-day period until he got blown up twice. So two Purple Hearts, uh, first one in the Battle of Metz, uh, which specifically outside of Nancy, France, uh, in some cow pasture, cow dung field at the moment, right? And... Um, was wounded in action, came out of the battle, uh, took probably 30 days in the hospital. We have that medical report. Um, he, shrapnel, burns, uh, knee injuries, foot injuries, all that stuff. That was in October of 44. Uh, went back into, into play in November. Uh, got sick in December, so sick they pulled him off the line. Sent him back in in February of 40, end of January 45, just in time to mop up the bulge and go into the Ardennes forest and get across the German border at the, at the river Or, and uh, where he uh, proceeded to get blown up again. Uh, Taken Hill 353 in Germany uh, on February 8th, 1945. I was standing, my daughter and I were standing on the hill in front of the bunker that he was fighting to take on that day. 
it's it's just a feeling you'll never get. You know, it it's just one of those things, and it I understand. I understand how I am, who I am, and how he was, who he was. And then, of course, all of all of the all of the history and and the and the readings and the books and everything I've absorbed over the last couple of years, it all comes into play. I mean, it all, it, it really helps figure everything out. He also had trench foot the second time he got blown up. Well, that was that was not his primary or secondary injury. That was his third rank injury. And oh, by the way. He has trench foot, and most guys who got trench foot in February of '45 never went back to the war. It took too long, so he uh, he ended up going back in May, end of April, beginning of May, and served until the end of December 1945. Two years, two years across. Um, but because he was unlucky or lucky, I really can't tell which one it was. He spent a lot of time in the hospital beds and a lot of time, you know, it was it, it, to see and that to see that and follow that is really fascinating. And you follow it literally from the morning reports and and every day. And then you see his name pop up and you relate those days to the hospital reports and you put it all together. You know exactly where he was. It just they kept such great records, but yet they were really terrible at keeping records now. It's kind of an oxymoron. Yeah, it was just, but you, you go to the, and that's where I had the professional help of a guy named Norm Richards, who was a historian. Um, and he researched most of that. And then Kristen and I could go down the rabbit hole after that and figure out all the details. So it's fascinating. Yeah, I can't imagine what it was like to stand on the battlefield and just knowing that you knew somebody who stood on the same battlefield, yeah. um, what a special moment! It it, it is a special moment, uh, and I actually have a piece of the of the pillbox hanging on the wall uh, below his his medals and his and his flag draped casket. It's all it's all up on my wall. And you mentioned you had a historian kind of help put the pieces together. Is yeah. is this somebody who you just kind of reached out to and you're like, hey, look, I need some help? That's or? a great question. That's a great question. Um, and no, I didn't prompt him for this question, but it's a great question. <laughs> the, in 1973, there was a major fire at the archives in, outside St. Louis, and most of the World War II, most of the World War II records got burnt up wow. in the fire, like your personnel records, those kind of things. And it took us nine months to get to hear back from the archives to tell us that dad's files were indeed burned up. So on the web page for the archives, they also have names of people who could help you do research. Yeah. Norm was one of them. And we reached out to him and sent him a check. You know, it was a standard fare and said, he said, I can find your dad. Because we had his discharge papers. We knew everything about dad, where he, where he fought, what his medals were. All of that stuff. And he said, I can track your dad. I'll find him. And he did. That is an, that is an amazing skill that guy has to go. I mean, that's probably, to, I mean, I, I got to imagine that took him a lot of work. I mean, just digging through, you know, the different files from the time. Well, he must have been here. And then this person takes these types of, uh, you know, communications and maybe his name pops up. 
So he's doing a lot of, I imagine that guy's doing a lot of people a great service. He is doing, and that's why I thought it important to mention it today. Yeah. Uh, not just him in spe- specifically, but there are there are people out there that can do it. Because let's face it, this this was the greatest generation. And let there be no, let there be no misunderstanding. This was the greatest generation. And my fear was that they will soon be forgotten. And we can't, we can't do that. Uh, and due to, and I have a lot of people my age and friends who are going, yeah, my dad was over there. Mm. My dad was in the Philippines. My dad was wherever. I said, this is the guy you want to talk to or one of these guys. They know where to go. And, um, I mean, literally, we have copies of original morning reports. We have after-action after battle reports. So, not, you know, they tell you what his company and division were doing uh, and when they were doing it. So it was, it was interesting. He got wounded the first time on October 10th, and two days after his birthday. So happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> Here you go. Birthdays don't matter when you're when you're over there. So uh, it it was and my daughter, it's a bonding experience that I never would have had. I mean, she she was as into this as I was, and she barely knew her granddad. So uh, it's exciting. Peg, on the other hand, St. Peg didn't want to go, which was fine with me because she doesn't want to read. She doesn't want to see stuff. Yeah, she doesn't want to. She's not a big museum person. But we were on the battlefields all the time. We had professional tour operators. We we had we went places other people never even went. Never went. Didn't know it was there. But there were plaques there. There were things there. But you had to be looking for them. Took us all the way to Germany. And, and did it, so it ended. You guys saw the saw the whole thing through. I mean, you basically went to. The, the capital, or um, where was the final city, you guys? Uh, well, we we stayed. The final city we stayed in was a, a beautiful, beautiful village in Luxembourg called Vienden, hmm. and right on the Ore River. And there's a lot of rivers over there, right? Which is why Patton bogged down for months and months and months, right? Um, this was just one. This is where the Shore River splits, and it becomes the Ore River, or Ore. Oh, you are. Um, and to stand on that river where my father crossed in a wooden paddle boat under heavy enemy fire, and this is not me telling you that. This is reading from battle reports, right, how difficult it was. Snipers, uh, uh, howitzers, artillery, machine guns, pillbox, and, and how to take those pillboxes, they ended up going hand-to-hand. And all of the things of weaponry that you talk about and that you see in Saving Private Ryan if you've never been in the military or fought under those conditions. Well, Bill, I could talk to you about this all day. Oh, I this know is you <laughs> that could be another whole – we could do that as another whole, another whole episode. But um, it, it really has been a fascinating part of, uh, of my personal journey um, and, and drives me to, you know, it helps me understand a lot of things, and I think it's important because we never talked. My dad never talked about it, never, never really talked about it. I got bits and pieces, yeah. Um, but it helps. It helps me. Does that all come through with my the way I lead and the kind? Of, yeah, probably. You know, my dad was tough on me. He was a he was a tough guy. 
But he came home, started a family like an entire generation of men, and never knew they were there. All right? It's the most fascinating thing that you can get your mind around. Hard to imagine. I mean, yeah, wow. Bill, we'll have to have you back on and talk more about this. Sure. This is just such an important sure. topic, and I want to say thanks for coming on and telling oh, my your story. Pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to tell to tell you about that. I think it's something interesting. We could talk about payroll all day, but that's pretty boring. Most people are going to shut the damn thing off. That, that, right? <laughs> uh, politics can wait. You know, it's that's not. This is the core part of where I have been in the last few years. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for coming on today. Um, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, many thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a follow and click the bell to stay up to date on future episodes or click the link to watch another previous episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and please leave us a comment. We'd love to hear your feedback.